the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at nissan.ie. Yeah, you're very welcome back to the hard shoulder. Delighted to say that Amy Connolly, she of Sculpted by Amy fame, the CEO of Sculpted by Amy, is my guest this week for the Thursday interview. Amy, you're very welcome to the show. It's good to see you again. We met uh, down in Killarney uh, in the Europe at the EY Entrepreneur of the Year's, the CEO boot camp. Tell me, um, you were on the judging panel. Is that right now? I know. Talk about bonkers news. I was so shocked when they called me in uh, late last year. Obviously, like, so thrilled and so excited but I actually started nervous laughing because I thought they were joking and I was like I've just won this award I'm already trying to process that so yeah thrilled to be joining the judging panel this year and looking forward to seeing what finalists come our way So how does that work? I mean how many judges are there? When are submissions open? So submissions open today actually so this is the launch of it which is really exciting so I'd encourage anyone listening who maybe thinks they have a business or they know someone to definitely get involved um, there are 12 judges as far as I know so I am now sitting amongst them. <laughs> All right, okay. And and are you judging your own category, is it? No, or, so I think we judge category? overall. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of a collaborative effort. From what I know, which is, you know, not too much yet, having not sat in there yet. Like, as in, it's crazy to think that last year I was terrified going into the judging panel for my pitch and now I'm going to be sitting on the other side of the table. But hopefully people will feel, you know, less nervous if they were someone like me going for it at the thought of someone kind of younger and very much in a startup business being on that side of the table. Oh, is it a Dragon's Den style thing? I mean, that you come in and you're all standing in front of you. Yeah. Oh my God, it was terrifying. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like in a good way because you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. But like me personally, I've never gone for investment. I've never worked for another company. I didn't even know how to do an interview process before. So this was like the very, very first thing I did. So obviously we're not pitching for investment, but like you're selling yourself and your business very yeah. much and you're getting grilled, but like in a really good way. Yeah. Is, are, do they decide are there good cops and bad cops in the room? Well, you don't have to <laughs> Who they are, but there are. What are you going like, to be? I think I'll be very fair, oh, very very cop. diplomatic. Bad cop. For those people entering, <laughs> keep an eye out for Amy. Bad cop. Uh, the, did you know what? The, in, the questions were interesting because you could tell kind of what background of business that judge had come from and kind of what area they were zoning in on. So I'm sure everyone kind of finds their groove in terms of the mm. topics they, they ask about. So so who knows where I'll slot into. But. Yeah, I wonder will you will you realise as well when you say you had no experience of that type of environment and pitching to investors, I assume you, you'll realise very quickly who has and who hasn't. Totally. Yeah, I'd say so. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, like I was openly very nervous about it and quite scared at the thought of it, but was like buzzing when I went into the room. I remember um, at the dinner that evening, <laughs> one of the judges had said to me, oh, Amy, you know, well done today. Have you come down since? Because I obviously went in full of emotion <laughs> and was like, hi. Um, so yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. And obviously, you know, the thought of, of joining them this year is, is a bit surreal. And really tell exciting. me, just for like for a relatively young company, um, how important was it to, to to be involved, to get that nomination, to win an award? Well, to be totally honest, and I, I don't say this lightly, like when I was um, nominated early last year, I felt like a total imposter. I was like imposter syndrome. My category was absolutely amazing, hugely competitive businesses that I would really admire and look up to. Um, so firstly, it was a massive kind of confidence boost because when you're in business on your own, sometimes you're so invested in your own world. No one's there telling you, you know, you're doing a good job, you're leading the right way. That that for me was a signal to go, actually, maybe I am doing things right. Or, you know, mm. when you're not looking at sales and those other KPIs, 
to then win in the emerging category. I mean, I had no words going on stage. I was mortified thinking back in it because I literally was like, I'm so shocked. I'm just so shocked. Thanks so much. So I think it all just adds to your own morale as a leader. And I think the whole kind of process of the EY programme has really taught me a lot about actually being a leader. Yeah, because I was going to ask that. I mean... imposter suggesting that imposter syndrome extends to the business might be a bit strong but given as you say that you know you, you started this company so young yeah. and you didn't really work as you had other jobs I suppose kind of but kind Small, of student kind stuff. of jobs exactly yeah um, have there been times when you've been running the business where you kind of think God I actually I, I don't have a blueprint here I don't have a model I don't know how other CEOs do things uh, all the time yeah <laughs> and you know what it, it's both good and bad because I always say that I'm like a blank canvas like I'm not tainted from anywhere or influenced by anywhere so you're going off your own gut but I mean like I'm hiring for roles at the moment who I've never worked with. So I'm trying to create a job spec going, <laughs> I don't really know what this person's going to do, but <laughs> let's hope they work out. Obviously, you have your own good as a CEO and the whole, you know, I'm implementing the strategy of the business in terms of the growth. But from the very, very finer details of things, sometimes you're just chancing your arm and seeing how it goes. Isn't it funny, though, because I, I like I don't want to be dismissive of, of kind of qualifications and experience and all of that. But a large part of success it, it, within any company and within a team is just learning to get along with the team and knowing how to manage relationships within a team and I mean maybe it's a good thing then you come to those roles without the experience because you're not looking on the CV to kind of tick all the boxes you're looking for the right personality Yeah totally absolutely I think it counts a huge part in terms of your own kind of drive and energy and how you approach things and how you kind of problem solve even if you don't have all the answers so tell us then a little bit more about Sculpted by Amy. There'll be lots of people listening to this who know all about it. There'll be other people who uh, maybe won't be uh, as aware. When, when was it set up? So we are five years old. Um, I launched very late in 2016. Um, I was a year out of college, so I graduated in commerce and French. So it's funny you say that about the qualification. Like I loved college. I loved the whole experience. But I have learned everything from literally throwing myself into the deep end from starting the business. You know, like that, not having a co-founder, not having an investor or someone who's kind of walked the road before me. But I don't have any regrets. Like, albeit I grew probably slower in the first two years because I was figuring everything out. That's just my personality. I need to kind of understand how Mm. the process works before I pass it off. So uh, talk to me about the the circumstances that exist at, say, 2015. You finished college, what, 2015? Finished in 2015, yeah. I mean, what happened over that year that you found yourself setting up a company? So to be honest, I decided before I'd even graduated. So I was one of those lucky people that in fourth year, I did my work experience in a company that later became the industry I wanted to work in. So I was part-time in Benefit Cosmetics for two weeks and then got a job in makeup. So I kind of worked every weekend for the next kind of four years through my leaving cert into first year college, then started working for myself, was doing lots of different pockets within the makeup industry. So really, I started working for myself when I was 19. So and what, what does that mean, working for yourself within like the makeup doing industry? doing freelance, doing bridal, doing TV, writing and beauty, like kind of covering various elements. I was also doing a lot of teaching in makeup as well. So I was really well covered and got great experience. So for me, in those kind of last three years when I was graduating, a lot of my peers were applying to the usual graduate programmes and getting prepped for that. I actually didn't consider working for anyone. So I knew I was going to go and mix my business degree with my love of makeup into a more formal business, if you want. And that was for me the brand. So that first year when I graduated was really spent kind of researching manufacturers in Europe, how I go about this, and then ultimately led to me launching late 2016. And and, I mean, how, how early in all of that process 
did you develop the, a kind of a very tangible idea of what Sculpted by Amy would become? Or, or, or kind of, you know, did you kind of brainstorm a lot? Is there a lot of stuff in the in the kind of the, the waste paper bin in the corner of the room? Totally. And that is literally how informal it was. Like I would always say, I was sitting on my bed Googling Fonts 101, how my logo would look. look. Like there was no graphic designers, there was no brand roles in, involved at the beginning. But I was very sure on what product I wanted. I was very sure that the ethos of it would be to simplify makeup. So, at the time when I was teaching a lot, you know, makeup again, you know, going back five years is quite a different place, if you can believe that, in terms of it only being a short space of time. But people were quite overwhelmed by the level of information that was coming out. You know, social media was really growing. Instagram didn't even exist at that stage when I was first starting. So I really wanted to, well, actually, at, at the end of my freelance career, Instagram did exist. But I really wanted to bring makeup back to like a simpler product and to make it easier for people and actually empower them in how to use their product. Okay, so again, because you, you're talking to someone who, who <laughs> the odd time kind of, yeah, I remember getting sent into like, you know, Mac and Brent Thomas to buy something and I mean, it was like, talk about we used like, to love seeds a, a rabbit in the headlights. <laughs> exactly. Here's the sucker. We'll take yeah. it for everything yeah, it's yeah, worth yeah. plus a bit more. Um, uh, like, it, it was just what, there was, the, the range was too big being offered yeah. by these companies. Is that it? Yeah, I knew I had to have like a unique selling point because it's, and still is, such a busy market but even at that time I was using the best brands in my kit so I knew whatever I brought had to be up there for me to go yes I'm going to use that on my bride on the weekend for example so people used to come into me and Mac and they'd say hi I'm looking for a powder and I'd say sure we have 67 options what would you like and they could just see it was going straight over their yeah. head so you know, in everything that we do and still to date, our whole ethos is multi-purpose products that make it easier. And um, obviously with that good for you element as well. So that has really carried through and probably is a byproduct of my teaching makeup prior to that. So that education arm is super important to us because ultimately if you have a customer who buys a product who knows exactly how to use it, they're going to be far more drawn to it. So this is the, the makeup version of, of the Henry Fords. You can have it in any colour as long as it's black. Just yes, I'll sim- take simplify, that. simplify the <laughs> options. And um, so, I mean, how, how then, so you've got this vision, you know, you've learned from all your years of experience, far too many uh, options out there. We've got to simplify it. How, how do you go about doing that? I mean, you've got to actually put a product together. I, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm, wh- wh- who do you turn to to say, I want to make makeup? Yeah. And a lot of people didn't even acknowledge me. They didn't respond. You know, naturally, I was 22 going, hiya, um, I want to do this product. Can we can we work together? And a lot of people were like, well, you can't prove your volumes. I don't know what your investment levels are. So, so politely, no. And then there was one company um, in Manchester. So obviously the UK were still part of EU at the time. So that's where I focused my efforts given the whole regulation side of things. And yeah, hopped in a plane, flew over, had a meeting and started the, the discussions in terms of that whole world of manufacturing. What I didn't realise at the time is mm. actually that's a tiny piece of the bigger picture. So you have to sell in, you have to make sure it sells when it arrives on shelf. You have to do your logistics, your invoicing, all of that, which was a joy to learn as, as the time went on. But like I said at the start, I actually actually don't have any regrets because I learned so much from the amount of mistakes I made and also the things I did well. <laughs> um, what mistakes did you make? Oh, so many. Like even that first supplier that I worked with, um, you know, and I don't like to dwell on the negatives. I would say they probably took slight advantage of my na- naivety and my age. Um, and I definitely felt within kind of six months of the partnership of launch that they weren't treating me with the same respect. Probably my own perspective, but I made the decision to move. And I was quite proud of myself at the time. Like I flew over and said, you know, if, if you don't start treating me with the same respect as others, I'm, I'm gone. You've lost my business. And I ended up flying to South Korea and finding a supplier there. And we still work with them to this day. And we have a really, really close relationship with them. We're very lucky with that. So 
like out of that negative came a really positive and it pushed me to actually go direct to to factory myself instead of partnering with a middleman. Okay, so so you've got this product, you had the, the bit of a hiccup in terms of manufacture, but eventually, right, South Korea <laughs> is where it, it, it happens. Uh, you learn about logistics, you learn about invoicing, you learn about all of that. In terms of selling the product, and I mean that in the broadest sense, the mm-hmm. marketing of it and getting yeah. your name out there. You touched on Instagram and, and it's kind of it's it's birth while you were kind of getting up and running like social media and the internet played a huge role for you didn't it totally yeah and i would i would definitely say that i didn't have a following at the time where i could sit back and say oh this is great my instagram following is going to sell this I very much grew online simultaneously to the brand. So it's more like people associate literally me with it, which is fair enough because it says Sculpted by Amy on it. Um, But it definitely was fundamental for me at the beginning. Like I remember one of my first kind of marketing elements was a press drop. And I wanted to play on the rose gold colour in the brand. So I literally spray painted a hundred roses and had a rose gold rose inside the box. And at the time, there weren't as many press drops. There weren't as many maybe experiential things happening. So it wasn't as cutthroat to try and get noise. You have to explain a press drop for people at home. Sorry, yes. So a press drop is where we would send a box of product to influencers or press or celebrities to hopefully get a mention and get the word out there. And that worked brilliantly for me. Like, I mean, I had amazing coverage from it, which gave the first product a massive leg up in terms of getting its word out there rather than just relying on me as an individual to do that. And, and I mean, you, you, you mentioned maybe some of the more uh, traditionalists within the industry who kind of were dismissive of you as a person, given your youth and everything. Were, were they dismissive, the same people? Was there a bit of dismissiveness about how you were marketing it? Like, you know, that, you no. know, come on, you've got to get on the shelves and the big retailers here. Instagram's not where it's at. My strategy at the beginning was actually to target kind of five of the main chains of pharmacies. So I knew as one human that I couldn't service the 1200 pharmacies in Ireland. Not that we'd want to be in all of them because they're not all beauty related, but my tactic was to get in front of five main buyers. So I literally (laughs) probably hounded them on LinkedIn and and God knows where else and got my five meetings, managed to sell the product in because I was so passionate about it. And then my theory was if I can get into the five main chains, hopefully the independent doors will follow when they see what they've bought in and if I can create a bit of hype with it. So actually everyone was extremely receptive. You know, I think there's a bit of like, good on you, you're Irish, you're young, fair play to you at the time Mm. as well. So I didn't experience any negativity like that versus what I wind up with the initial manufacturer. So I was very lucky in that regard. And we still are to date. And, and listen, you're only five years old, so I don't want to kind of uh, suggest, you know, you've, you've been around since the dinosaurs, but like, <laughs> you're established now and well established. So what role does social media still play in that exposure? Well, it's still massive. It's just that there's new platforms all the time. There's trends that are changing. There's, you know, if you're doing ads online, there's different things in terms of regulations around updates and stuff. So it's just an ever-changing model. However, it's still hugely present for us in our marketing. Uh, yeah, and when you say our, because you're, you're speaking of the plural there, I mean, you personally are not managing, I assume, Instagram accounts, TikTok accounts, Snapchat, all of this, are you? <laughs> no, I do have my own personal page that I keep to myself because that is very informal, very organic, but I do have some of the teams For that creeping on people? <laughs> Yeah, scrolling back years yeah, <laughs> um, in my archives. But I do have uh, amazing team members who look after the brand account because that would obviously have a different feel to it. Well, then let me kind of go full circle and ask about just um, the the environment for entrepreneurs like you in this country. I mean, you, you, like you said, you had some people who were kind of hugely supportive and, and were supportive of the Irish startup and somebody trying yeah. to do it on their own here. Other people may be a little more dismissive given the lack of experience. I mean, how fertile is the ground here for entrepreneurs? I think it's brilliant. I have had nothing but a really, really positive experience in terms of the support networks as I've grown. And, you know, we still have tons to do. Um, things like 
the EOI program. You know, a huge supportive network there with the alumni. And you could really feel that, particularly in the CEO retreat week where we did our quick 60 second segment. Um, other things like going for growth and amazing women entrepreneurship program. So specifically focused on women and they're just real safe spaces for you to have conversations. It's funny, like regardless of how different the industries might be of what business someone is in, everyone's going through the same things, be it HR, finance, cash flow, logistics, operations. You know, mm. we all have the same issues. It's just in a different sector. And how was the pandemic for you? I mean, was there, because uh, I imagine, I don't know if there's a male equivalent to buy makeup, but I didn't cut my hair or shave for seven yeah, weeks. Yeah, I mean, was there a dip in sales as people stayed at home? So I think we were very lucky in that we were young and we can be so agile because we're a small team. So we instantly switched everything onto virtual. So we had over like 5,000 people join us in advance online and we were able to keep momentum going that way and also to keep people's spirits up if they enjoyed makeup and wanted a bit of escapism. So we've always been rooted in products that are kind of kind to your skin and have that skincare element to them. So if anything, we felt that our products really suited where people's mm. minds were at in terms of that lighter consistency, you know, SPF on the skin, good for you if you're going for a walk, etc. Um, so to be honest, I think always regardless, given we were a startup, we would naturally have progressed and exceeded because that's just in our nature. You know, yeah. we're ambitious. But it's it interesting, good. there's a kind of a theme emerging, everything from the people you, you, you're hiring to your how quickly you could pivot to going from home and all of that. I mean, there's something to be said for experience. There's something as well to be said to for, for not being a prisoner of tradition. Totally. And I see that a lot in our interview processes with people, particularly kind of more senior roles that we've hired for recently. You know, a lot of people's draw to a startup is actually, you know, not the fear and the chaos and the lack of structure. It's the positiveness around actually you're reaping the benefits of you know, your efforts in the business and also the lack of kind of red tape with the big chain of command because ultimately it's just me going, yeah, let's try it. Yeah, well, listen, yeah. it's been a pleasure, uh, Amy. Um, Amy Connolly, the CEO of Sculpted by Amy, she is, as she says, a judge now uh, in the uh, EY Entrepreneur <laughs> of the Year programme. And if you want to nominate uh, yourself or somebody else, if you go uh, to the EY website or just look up Entrepreneur of the Year nominations, uh, Google it, you will find how to do it. Amy, pleasure. Thank listen, you so thanks much for having me.